Support comes from Troy University's Trojan Cafe, offering a variety of Starbucks beverages and an assortment of sandwiches, soups, and pastries, located on Troy University's Montgomery campus, across from the Rosa Parks Library and Museum. From Troy Public Radio, this is In Focus, and I'm Carolyn Hutchison. Today is the start of the winter hummingbird season, and master birdbander Fred Bassett visits In Focus by Skype with advice on how to attract one of these tiny visitors to your feeder. Fred is the founder of the HummingbirdResearch.net nonprofit. His efforts, plus those of the citizen scientists in our coverage area, have changed hummingbird science. Fred, welcome back to Troy Public Radio. Always great to talk with you, Carolyn. Back in 1997, what prompted you to start HummingbirdResearch.net? Well, I then worked with Bob Sargent in the Homer Bird Study Group, and Bob came to me one day and said, you're going to start your own nonprofit. And I said, no, I'm perfectly happy where I am. And he said, one of these days I'm not going to be here, and you're going to need to continue with what we're doing. And he was absolutely right. You have banded literally thousands of hummingbirds. You have trained other people to join you in this effort. This is the beginning of the winter hummingbird season. What have you found that has changed the science on winter hummingbirds? Years ago, when I started, there were supposedly no winter hummingbirds here. The only hummingbird we had was a ruby-throated, and they all migrated in the winter. But through the years, uh, I've now banded 12 different species of hummingbirds in Alabama in the wintertime. A few years ago, I'd have been laughed out of the place if I'd told anybody that. But now I just get, well, when are you going to get another new species? And speaking of that, Fred, when I went to your website, hummingbirdresearch.net, some of these hummingbird species I had never heard of, like this Mexican violet-eared. Where did that come from? Well, that's a bird that's usually found in southern Mexico and Nicaragua. But a few of them, every once in a while, come up into the United States. Before I started banding, Bob Sargent had banded one uh, down in Grand Bay, Alabama. But the name of them then was Green Violet Ear. A few years ago, they changed the name to Mexican Violet Ear. They don't show up very often, but Boy, are they beautiful when they do show up. Where are the ears located? They actually do have ears on birds, but they're just openings there. The reason it's called a violet ear is it has a violet stripe across about where its ears are and go down its neck. So it's not having anything to do with what look like ears. It's just that color that's in that area. Fred, back in 2018, you really made hummingbird history. What happened that year? That was a... Uh, female black-chinned hummingbird that I caught at a home near Pocatello, Idaho, and that bird was a minimum of 13 years and one month old. That's the second oldest hummingbird ever documented in the world. But now you can't look at a bird and tell how old it is. I had banded that bird in that same yard 12 years before that as an adult, so you have to assume it was hatched the year before that. Yeah, I was really surprised to catch that bird, but that's the thing with working with hummingbirds. You uh, find out new things on a fairly regular basis. And previously, it was thought that scientifically, these little birds lived about how long? 
Well, we think even now that the average lifespan is three to five years if they make it through the first year. But through banding, we find out that some of them live significantly longer than that. I caught two birds uh, this summer in Idaho that were at least eight years old. And my record here in the southeast is a couple of rufous that came back to the same homes for nine years in a row. Over these years, your organization, you and your banders, have actually changed the science on hummingbirds. I'm wondering, how have your listeners helped you do this? Well, I couldn't do anything if it wasn't for uh, what I call my hummer host. It's always interesting to me when I talk to professional ornithologists and they don't understand how I can ban so many birds, and I say, I have a lot of friends that tell me when they have hummingbirds and invite me to come to their home to ban them. And they can't quite understand that. They want to get a grant and graduate students and anything. And I just say, I have citizen science, people that let me come and ban hummingbirds at their home. And where are your citizen scientists located? This time of the year, it's Alabama, South Georgia, all of Florida, and once in a while, a little bit over in the Mississippi. If your listeners would like to become citizen scientists and help you identify these birds and ban them, what would they need to do? All you need to do, if you have a hummingbird coming to your feeder between now and the 1st of March, if you will contact me or one of the banders who is associated with me will come to your home, catch that bird and identify it and put a band on its leg and take a whole series of pictures for you. Now, to contact me, you can call me or send me a text at 334-868-9658 or send me an email at uh, fhound at aol.com. And speaking of winter hummingbirds, is there a change in the feeder mix? No. One part sugar to four part water. That works all year round. So if the hummingbird needs more, it'll just drink more. You have often advocated hanging that feeder near your breakfast table window so that you can be on the lookout for them. And I am wondering how these birds withstand some of the severe cold weather that we have over the winter. What have you discovered? Well, that's another thing we've learned. The general knowledge when I started this over 30 years ago was that hummingbirds couldn't survive freezing. But we found that is totally wrong. As long as they have access to a liquid feeder, it doesn't make any difference, I called it, kids. There was a rufous hummingbird that spent the entire winter on Kodiak Island in Alaska this winter, and it was perfectly fine. And there are Anna's hummingbirds in Alaska all winter long, every winter now. But they have to have a liquid feeder. People have to heat their feeder to keep it from freezing. But here... That doesn't happen often enough. That's a problem. Through the years, you have made many discoveries, and you share these discoveries scientifically with what laboratory? Well, I send all my uh, banding information to the uh, National Bird Banding Laboratory in uh, Laurel, Maryland. They have the data on all birds that have ever been banded. So if I band a bird here and that bird's re-encountered somewhere else and somebody's got the band, they can contact the bird banding lab and find out when and where that bird was banded. And at the same time, the computer will send me a message that my bird has been caught somewhere else. So we uh, are able to find out a lot more about migration patterns from that. I remember one year you found an albino hummingbird. Where was that? 
I think I've banded probably four or five albinos over the years. The uh, latest one was on Lake Martin just a few years ago. They're ruby-throated hummingbirds. They're just white. They have a, a lack of pigment. The thing is, they're such striking-looking little creatures being hummingbirds. People think they're larger because they're white. We're getting more reports of them now, but I truly think it's because more people have feeders up now, and with social media, people take pictures and post them, and so the information gets around to a lot more people. When is the height of the season? But the height of the season for winter birds is in December and January. So I tell people that if they have a feeder up now, don't take it down in the next month or two if you don't have a bird. Leave it up all winter. If you have a winter hummingbird that stays with you, it'll change your life. Anybody who's had a winter hummingbird will spend the rest of their life desperately trying to get a winter hummingbird because it's just an amazing feeling to see that same bird come. Every morning, you get to know it, and it gets to know you. Fred, I want to thank you for your visit today. Thank you, Carolyn. Joining us by Skype was master bird bander Fred Bassett, founder of the HummingbirdResearch.net nonprofit. To report a wintering hummingbird in your yard, Fred can be reached by email at fhound at aol.com or by phone at 334-868-9658. Thanks for joining us today for In Focus, which is a podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Carolyn Hutchison, and this is listener-supported Troy Public Radio.